The Productive Woman, Episode 280. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I'm pleased to share with you my conversation with Professor Min-Kyung Choi. You'll find more information about Min, along with links to resources she recommends and the ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 280. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks and Text Expander. Visit TextExpander.com slash podcast for 20% off your first year of one of my most essential productivity tools. I'll talk a little more about Text Expander later on, but right now I want to ask a question of those of you who own or operate small businesses. Do you remember when you started your small business? It was no small feat. It took a lot of late nights, early mornings, maybe even the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line is running a small business takes a lot of time, energy, and hard work. So why not make things a little easier? Our friends at FreshBooks have a solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, it's intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized than a dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. FreshBooks lets you create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds and then get them paid up to two times faster with automated online payments. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part? FreshBooks grows alongside your business, so you'll always have the tools you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people, including me, who've used FreshBooks. Try it free for 30 days, no catch, and no credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com TPW and enter the productive woman in the how did you hear about us section to get started. And now let's get right into my conversation with Min Choi. I am delighted to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Min Choi. Min is an assistant professor at Bronx Community College at the City University of New York in the Department of Education and Academic Literacy. Her research focuses on literacy development in both adolescents and adults, and she's taught creative writing workshops for middle and high school students in New York. Min lives in New Jersey with her husband and her two young children, and I have really been looking forward to talking with her about how she's making a life that matters. So welcome, Min. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Well, I'm just delighted to have you here. We were introduced virtually by a mutual friend. Actually, my assistant is a friend of men's and she has said all sorts of amazing things about you that made me think I need to get this woman on the podcast to, to find out <laughs> how she's doing what she does and, and, and all of that. So I'm, I'm really have been looking forward to this. I, I gave a little bit of an introduction to you, but maybe you could, uh, 
fill that out a little more to maybe tell us a little more about who you are, where you are, what you do, whatever you think would be uh, useful for us to know about you as we get into this conversation about productivity and a life that matters? Um, I think you pretty much covered um, all of the bases. I am a mother of two. I have um, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And they are a joy to be around, but also a lot of work, (laughs) a lot of energy. I am currently an assistant professor. And so I teach at a community college and I teach mostly freshman students. And I've been doing this for about five years now. So around the time my daughter was born. And before that, I, I studied creative writing, which is a passion of mine, but not necessarily a career route at this point in my life. And I have a wonderful husband. Your bio that you sent to me said you you do. Uh, I know I have a lot of listeners who are academics as well. And so they know that any kind of college professor, part of what you do is teaching. Part of what you do is research. And uh, your bio says that your research focuses on literacy development in adolescents and adults. How did you get interested in that? And, and, and kind of what does that kind of research entail? I became interested in this because I spent um, half of my life in South Korea. So I grew up there. And so by the time I was around 10, I had to sort of learn a new language. I was, you know, thrown into a schooling environment that, you know, used a different language than the one that I had grown up with. And so I first-handedly really experienced what it means to become literate and not just reading, being able to read words phonetically, but really having a context and understanding um, words and text. And so that was sort of my, my beginning into that. And then Um, As I was studying creative writing, I had the opportunity to teach at various high schools and middle schools um, in Queens and Harlem for court-involved youth, you know, really a a spectrum of of different populations and students. And I really fell in love with teaching literacy and, and teaching students not just how to read, but the value that reading has in, in the world today. As a lifelong bookworm, I can appreciate that. Um, the, the value of reading, certainly to me personally, my mother has said in the past jokingly that I came home from my first day of kindergarten disgusted and said I wasn't going back because I went to school to learn <laughs> to read and all they wanted to do was teach me my colors and I already knew those. So. <laughs> and and so when you talk about um, literacy, both teaching it and researching it, it sounds like it goes beyond just being able to read the words and and maybe speak the language. It goes beyond that. Definitely. And I think one of the things that in, in my research and in working with other professors in different disciplines, um, including chemistry or um, mathematics, you know, areas in which we don't really think that that reading is a strong component. Um, I've learned that um, literacy isn't just about the text itself, but it's, it's really also about the teaching of it and how to sort of create a transaction between the reader and the text. And I think a lot of that lies on the instructor or the professor's approach to teaching literacy, hmm. um, not just to absorb text, but to really sort of have a interaction or transaction with the text. And so I think it's really important that that instruction and pedagogy focuses on those aspects as well. 
So interesting. Well, we could probably, I, you know, as as I said, as a bookworm, a book lover, and a, a lover of the written word, I uh, I could probably talk with you about that for quite a while, but that's not what we're here for. <laughs> and so uh, it's interesting to me, and one of the things that um, Sarah, when she was introducing us to each other, talked about is that you get a lot of things done. You have your career as a professor uh, and the things you do there, you have a family and young children. And so I'm going to want to talk with you a little bit about how you're doing all that, how you're creating a life that matters as you define it. But I think before we get into sort of the nitty gritty of how you're getting those things done, it's helpful for us to have a little bit of context for those things. And so if there is such a thing for you as a typical day what would that be like? What works best for me is I, I'm a morning person. And so I'm usually up between uh, three and four. Um, even earlier on, I, in my 20s or you know, before I got married, I would be up by six. But I realized that as I was doing my dissertation and as I was writing my dissertation and working and, you know, having kids, um, I realized that the hours between 3 and 6 a.m. work best for me. So that's when I'm really at my maximum productivity level and my brain is sharp and I'm ready to go. And so I make sure that I'm up at those hours and I get the bulk of my work done for the day between 3 and 6. And so after that, you know, from 6 to 7, I'll start getting ready for work, start getting breakfast ready. Um, lunch for the kids, whatever it may be. And then from seven to eight, you know, we're busy waking the kids up, getting the kids and um, ourselves out the door. And then I'll be at work. I'll pick up the kids typically around five. From five to nine, it's all about, you know, dinner, washing up the kids, homework. And then at nine o'clock, I'm out. And this is something that was really difficult for me to to come to terms with because in the beginning I would feel like I had to put the kids to bed by nine, but then I would really struggle to stay up and try to do something after they went to bed. But I just, you know, I'm just not, I'm just not, I, I just don't operate that way. And so by nine now I don't fight it and I'm in bed with them and I'll, I'll be up again at three. Hmm. You know, it's so interesting to hear you talk about that because very recently a, a conversation was started in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group um, where people were talking about wanting to become a morning person, but having a hard time with that because they want to stay up at night after the kids go to bed. They feel like there are things they need to get done. How, how did you... I mean, has it always been easy for you to get up really early or was this something you trained yourself to do? And how did you overcome that desire, you know, that that urge maybe to stay up and get a few more things done after the kids go to bed? I realized that I was not really productive at 10, 11 in, at night. Um, I'm usually really exhausted at that point And um, it's hard for me to, to really focus. And I'm thinking about, you know, all these things that I didn't get to do throughout the day. Um, and it becomes really overwhelming. Mm. And so a lot of people say, you know, uh, do you, how do you wake up at three and do you get any sleep? But if you think about it, I actually get a full six hours of sleep. So it's just, I'm going to sleep and waking up at different times. 
And I think that once you can try to let yourself go to bed earlier, in my case, um, it's easier to get up earlier. But I think when I say I wake up at three, people assume that I'm going to bed at 11 or 12, but that's not the case. I wouldn't be able to do that if, if I didn't. Yeah. So it's just recognizing uh, that you your brain works best in those hours and then ordering your life in such a way as to take advantage of that uh, of that sharpness of that, you know, your most productive hours. Right. And so at the beginning of every semester, I tell my students too to, I challenge them to, you know, over the first week to try to figure out the optimal hours of productivity for them um, in a 24 hour span. So whether that be between, you know, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., and then try to organize everything else around those times. And in my case, that happens to be in the middle of the night. But I think that, you know, everybody has a couple of hours in the day where they're really focused and they're not so tired and they're ready to go. For some people, it may be late at night. um, But whatever it is, I think it's, it's best to try to utilize that time. Yeah. And to use it for the things that require that focus and that ability to to kind of pay attention and the energy that you have just naturally during that period of time. It would be a shame, I think, if because of the way uh, you sort of ran your day, those hours were used for something maybe less valuable. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so do you, you do your writing during that time or you said you get the bulk of your work done? Obviously, you don't get your teaching um, done during that that period of time. <laughs> right. Um, I'll do I'll do my writing. I'll do you know I'll read a couple of articles and um, write a lit review. Um, I'll do some curriculum planning if we have a project going on. Um, if there's a proposal to be written for a grant or anything, you know that that'll be done. Then anything that really requires some creativity and some brain power, and I'm not just going through the motion. Mm. A lot of that is done there. I try not to. I try not to catch up on emails at that time because that I feel like you can get kind of really lost in it, and then the two three hours just fly by. Yeah. So I try to focus on the things where I just really need um, a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, and I'm not. I know I'm not getting that at other times throughout the day. Interesting. Yeah, I I don't know if I could get up at three, but I certainly do find that if I can get myself up, you know, somewhere between five and 6am, there's going to be that period of time where I'm not going to be interrupted by, um, you know, colleagues or, or other other kinds of things. I, I don't have my kids at home anymore. But that's a time for me when I can get some things done without being interrupted. Uh, in a, in a way that I can't later on in the day, but as you said, that whatever that time is that a person has when they're just naturally more focused, a little more energetic, more able to do that uh, deep work that Cal Newport talks about, wh- whatever time of day that is, and we all we all have some time of day when we when we're a little bit stronger in those areas to try and protect that time for the work that requires it. I think is. Uh, a real key to, to making, you know, to having a meaningfully productive life. Right. Right. I agree. Yeah. 
that being said, I, I think every person's life's a little different, presents maybe different challenges as far as staying productive and getting those things done that really matter to them. What would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing your life, your home, your space, wh- whatever it is? I mean, for some of us, it's we're, we aren't very good at saying no and we take on too much. For some of us, we have trouble, you know, organizing our space. What what, what would what do you think your biggest challenges might be? For me, I think it's getting caught up in work and taking on a little bit too much work. I recognize now that I have, you know, a little bit of workaholic in me. And so it's it's hard for me to turn down work, Mm. not because it's hard to say no, but because I feel there's, there's something deep inside where if I say no, I feel like I'm sort of not really performing at my best. Mm. And so that's, that's always been sort of a struggle. Um, and even now, so if something, a challenge comes my way, a project comes my way, my first instinct is to jump on it and say, you know, I'm going to do it. I can do this. But I've, I think in the past year, I've really tried to stop and just sort of think about how that would impact my kids and my husband and just our day-to-day routine. I think when the kids were younger, it was easier to say yes to things because the kids, they had a lot of needs, but I don't, they weren't as emotional um, needs. But now that they're getting older and my, my older one just started kindergarten, I feel like I, me not being there or me being there, but my mind is somewhere else does have an impact on them. So mm-hmm. I, I've started to say no to things and it's still, it, it still hurts a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting better, I think. Yeah. Do you think it's because you just really love the work or is it some of that, you know, fear of missing out on an opportunity or, or something else or a mixture of, of both? I think it is. I think it's a fear of, of, of missing out on an opportunity and fear that, you know, that if I keep passing up on those opportunities that, you know, one day those opportunities won't be there. And I think that's, um, it's a deep fear that I don't think I, I talk about a lot with people. And I guess there's also a fear of, you know, not wanting to be that person that is just too busy with her kids. If that if that's even a thing, um, or maybe that just exists in my mind. Now, I think I, I think a lot of us have struggled with that. I think both the, the fear of missing an opportunity that won't come by again. But also that in the workplace, I think a, a, a lot of us as women struggle with that. Can I say no because I have, you know, commitments to my kid? How is that going to be perceived in my workplace if I'm, you know, saying no, I can't stay late and work on this thing because I'm going home to my kids or or whatever? Or if we're even willing to say that uh, in the workplace, right. you know, when when we're asked to do something. And we feel like we need to say no, but, uh, you know, that still, and I find this so interesting, obviously my kids are grown and gone, so it's not an issue for me, but I, I see it with, uh, women that I work with the, this struggle of even in the 21st century, is it, why do we feel it's not okay to say, no, that time is allocated to my family 
And so I'm going to say no to right. this, you know, it's just such a, such an interesting thing that we still, that, that struggle is still there. It definitely is. It definitely is. Yeah. Aside from that, in getting the things done that matter to you, both professionally and personally with your family and, and your own personal interests, are there any particular tools you like or resources you recommend that help you with sort of managing the various roles that you play and managing your time? I have calendars, multiple calendars. <laughs> I, have, I have calendars on my phone. And, you know, now that I have, you know, the kids have their activities and I have my activities and, you know, my husband has his engagements. And so it's all over the place. And so I'm, I send alerts and invites to my husband so that we don't forget where, you know, we are or, you know, other arrangements or events that we have planned, which was kind of weird at first, you know, it kind of turns your relationship into a semi-professional one, but... <laughs> But it's necessary for us and it works for us. Yeah. I have paper planners as well, like books, mm-hmm. organizers. And I just have to stay on top of my weekly schedule, but also my daily schedule. So I rely a lot on those schedules and calendars. And I have a ton of alarms that go off, you know, all throughout the day as well. Yeah. I'm the same way. I've always said at work, I've always told my assistants and stuff, when my calendar dings at me, I get up and go where it tells me to. If it doesn't ding, I'm not going. <laughs> so those alerts and alarms are critically important to me because I can get head down doing my work and completely blow off a meeting or, you know, an appointment that I had. Yep. <laughs> and, and so is there a particular calendar that you like? Uh, you mentioned paper, do you, do you, and, but you also said you send invites to your husband. So I'm... It sounds like you use an electronic calendar. Yes, yeah, so I use I use Google Calendar. I like it because, you know, it syncs automatically to my laptop, to my phone, to my computer at work. Um, but also I can sort of color code different people and different um, different people that I'm associated with, different groups. And so it's, it's user-friendly. It's easy to read. And people can easily send me invites as well, and they can schedule things on my calendar. So Google Calendar works well for me. And also Google Doc system. So I use the spreadsheets there, and I have a lot of Google folders for different people, different groups that I work with. Having multiple calendars seems a little weird in the beginning, but... I use some Google Calendar for me because I'm mostly, well, pretty much all in the, the Apple ecosphere these days. I use my iCal mm-hmm. and I, you know, I have a separate calendar for myself, for the productive woman. My husband and I share each other's calendars so I can see what he's up to and vice versa. And it makes a huge difference when you've got, you know, two busy adults and then, you know, like in your case, kids with their commitments and the things that they're doing just to keep track of everything, uh, those shared calendars can make a huge difference. Right. I have never used an Apple calendar. Do you find it more convenient? I don't know if it's more convenient or if it's just that it's what's built in. You know, it came comes on my device. I've used uh, Apple devices for a number of years. You know, I've got a Mac computers. I've got Apple phone and iPad and all those things. And iCal just comes on all of them. 
you know, and syncs automatically. But Google Calendar does as well. So any of those calendars can work really well. And you can connect your Google Calendar with whatever, you know, system. Do you use the uh, the Google app on your phone? I do. Okay. I do. Interesting. Okay, well, so that's, I'll put a link in the show notes so people can check that out because I, a lot of people use that. And that's another reason why it's a good tool because it's familiar to lots and lots of people and they already have access to it. Right. What other things are you doing in terms of just trying to, I don't know, I, I hesitate to say the word, but balance your professional life and your personal life and get to a point where you feel like you're doing justice to both? I don't know if I'm actually really balancing both, but maybe that's part of it. I think I've started to sort of let go of the, of the idea of, of being perfect mm-hmm. or doing really well in both. I don't know if that's possible. I mean, yeah. I have a couple of people around me that I look at and, you know, I feel like they have it all together, but I've come to sort of acknowledge and accept that for me, I don't know if that's really possible. And so there are days when, you know, the kids have to get by on chicken nuggets. And there are days when I'm not able to finish what I've been working on at work. And so I'll pull the extra hours at home. But I think you just have to give yourself a little bit more space and understanding. And I realize that when I don't do that, the frustration I bring it home and Mm. it's not really good for myself or my kids or my family. Yeah. So just being a little bit more understanding for yourself. I think that's, that's super important. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Managing those expectations and being realistic about what's possible to do in a 24 hour day when you have to sleep at least part of the time, I, I think Sometimes it feels like everybody else has got it figured out and we're the only one that's not getting it right. But I I think that's such a myth and we are way too hard on ourselves a lot of the time. Right. I agree. And if you think, I mean, if you, if we're doing this, you know, in the long term, right. And I, we're we're in it for the long haul, right. We're not raising kids for a year or two and, and it's over. You know, you, you have to find a system that works and a system that is not too hard on yourself. Yeah, I agree. And, and just that b- giving ourselves grace, we talk about that on this, this podcast all the time, giving each other grace, but also giving ourselves grace and recognizing that we're not superwoman. Uh, I don't think superwoman actually exists except, you know, in the movies and, you know, figuring out that whatever balance might mean, you know, one day at a time. Definitely, definitely. It sounds like you spend a, a chunk of your day away from home at work, at the school, teaching and doing the things you're doing there. Do you rely on others to help with some of the things at home or do you are you and your husband kind of doing it all there in terms of getting meals on the table and maintaining the house and those sorts of things? We have family, but we don't have family around us. So um, we're pretty much on our own. We used to hire somebody to help us sort of maintain the house. And she would come every once, every two weeks. Mm -hmm. 
we're trying not to do that in the new year and really try to do things by ourselves. Um, but when it gets too hard, you know, if that's what we need to get it off our shoulders to, to ask for help, then, you know, I think we can do that. My husband, though, he is a very neat person and he's organized. <laughs> so he's one of those people that, you know, even when he's walking through the house, he's just naturally picking things up without thinking about it. So in a, in a way, it's, it's a blessing for me because I'm not that way at all. But at the same time, I see that that's also a burden on him. So we try to help each other. You know, we, we try to to really do what we can and when we can. And I know that we're both stretched thin, but within the boundaries that we have, we're, we try to get things done by ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think I've gone through different phases in life. There was certainly a period of time when I was extremely um, tied up with work and commuting a long distance each day. And, and there was a year or two where we had somebody coming, you know, every other week or so to help with the house, clean things up, kind of do the, the big things so that I didn't have to spend every weekend doing, you know, doing housework. And, but I don't do that now. And I think you have to look at the season you're in and decide what works for you and your household. Certainly no shame in asking for help, but there are reasons why maybe you want to do it yourself. Right. And I think that as our kids grow older and we want to, you know, really sort of teach them habits as well. Now they're, you know, my oldest one is, is old enough to pick up after herself, you know, to clean her room. And so it's, it's become easier. And I think that's why we're able to do it. And it's not as stressful as it used to be. But when they were, you know, one and two and two and three in that, I can't even, you know, those are times, those are years that I try not to look back on. <laughs> um, those are really tough years. And I think if we didn't have someone to help us out then, we pro- I probably would have lost my mind. Yeah. The kids are pretty labor intensive at that time, at that stage of life. And getting a little help can be the difference between, you know, maintaining your sanity or not. So, (laughs) so anything else that you, that you do that you think might be of interest to the listener in terms of how you're managing to get the things done either at work or at home, any other tools you're using or approaches you use to getting the stuff done that matters to you? I have a very supportive group of friends and we are, you know, we have a chat room and this chat room has, has been active for the past five to six years around the time when we all have kids. Mm. And so we're constantly, you know, it'll just be a message a day, Um, you know, hope everybody's doing well or, you know, did anybody see the new movie, you know, whatever it may be. And so it's just something like that. But I know that we're going through similar seasons in life, similar issues. We're dealing with um, the same sort of pressures from work, from family. And so it's just, it's really nice to have a group of close friends that are going through the same experiences. And I think we can relate to each other. We can offer encouragement. We can offer advice. And some of those friends are in different time zones. They're, you know, on the other side of, of the planet. But it's good to know. It's nice to know that I'm not in this alone. And I think that friends can offer support in ways that perhaps significant others, husbands, life partners cannot. And while I love my kids, you know, they definitely, (laughs) there are certain things I I don't and I can't share with them or expect them to understand. And so 
just having that support group for me has been, I think, one of the most tremendous resources. I love that that idea. Where I mean, is the chat room, is there a certain technology you use for this chat room that might be of interest to somebody who maybe wants to put something like that together with some of their friends? So what, what we use is a, is a Korean chat room app, but it's very similar to WhatsApp, okay. which is probably more commonly known here. Yeah. And it's just the four of us, you know, and we'll post and we, and we have been really good. And I don't know if this is intentional or not, but we don't post pictures of our kids. So it, the chat room is not about our kids and we rarely talk about our kids. And I don't know how that came about. It's not like it was a spoken rule, but we don't really talk about our kids, but we really focus on ourselves. Mm-hmm. and. And that's, that's been good. It reminds me that I'm, that I'm me, that I'm Min before the kids, you know, and that I'm Min outside of my, my kids and my job and that I'm just me. And I think that's, that's an important reminder to have as we go through this journey. Yeah, I love that. That's, I mean, it really is important. It's especially at that stage of life that, that you're in where you have young kids at home and you're building your career and all those things. It's easy to lose yourself in all of that and to have that kind of connection with a you know, just a couple of other close friends who are in a similar stage of life who can remind you, yeah, I, you know, because I've, I've said to my kids at various times when things have come up, I've said, you know, I used to be a pretty fun person. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to have those, they totally relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so to have those friends who can remind you, you know what, you still are a pretty fun person. You just have to remind yourself to be you and not just mom or professor this or, you know, whatever. And so I love that idea. So you've got these systems, you've got, you know, the tools that are working for you, you've got your kind of routine of getting up in the morning and getting that, that key work done and, and the, the things we've talked about. But I got to ask you this because I ask every guest this, even with all the systems and tools that you have in place and the approach you've obviously put some thought into of, of managing all of this, do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you just get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track? <laughs> I have them more frequently than I would like. You know, sometimes, um, you know, it's, it's, it comes all at once, right? The work and the kids and um, you just sort of feel like you don't really are connecting with anybody or yourself. And, and it happens. It happens once in a while. And when those days come, you know, I have to let my husband know, you know, I just, I just really need a break. Mm. And you know, I need you to to, t- to take care of the kids for a couple of hours. And I'll go out and I'll take a walk or sometimes I'll just I'll just crash and I'll go to bed at seven and my husband will take care of the kids. And, and there were times in the past where, you know, my I would feel really burned out. But my main concern would be, you know, who's going to bathe the kids, who's going to put dinner on the table. But you know, five years into parenting, I realized that kids are pretty resilient. So they can go a couple of days without having their hair washed, or they can go a couple of days, you know, subsiding on um, sandwiches. You know, it's not, it's not really earth shattering. And the kids don't remember a lot of things. And so in those moments, I think that the priority is that I 
just sort of reset and recharge. And if that requires that, that I have to leave the house for three, four hours or that I have to go have coffee with a friend or I just, you know, I take a book up to the, to the study and lock myself in there for a few hours. Um, I think it's worth it. And I think it's necessary. Um, and then I think that helps us become better mothers, better wives and better individuals. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more, man. That's, you know, having, lo- looking back on, that stage of life with my kids who are adults now, I have lots of, you know, I can get really tied up in regrets of, oh, I didn't do this right, or I wish I'd done more of that, uh, you know, now that that stage has passed. But a, f- a few years ago, I was feeling kind of bad about, you know, beaten up on myself for not being the kind of mother I wish I had been when they were young. And I had a conversation with uh, my kids just sort of, you know, tell me what you remember from those years, from when you were little, what did, did we do anything right? And, and and their response was really helped me a lot because what they remembered were the good things. You know, one of them said, I remember you always took us with you everywhere you went and you didn't, we never felt like left out. And one of them remembered, Oh, you always played this music for us. And I still like it. I went and found that same music and, and bought it for my kids. And, you know, they remember the, the goofy things that we did and the fun things that we did and not that, you know, we'd had tuna sandwiches for for dinner for a couple nights or something. (laughs) They, they just, that's so great. Yeah. And it was very, um, encouraging to me that I hadn't completely failed as a mother when, when my kids were young. So I, I would, I would encourage any young mom of young kids to know that you're, what you said is absolutely right. The kids are, are very resilient. Really all they need to know is that you love them. And that really does overcome pretty much everything else. I think that's true. I think, it's, you know, if you can have a few minutes of each day to, to just sit with your kids and laugh about something, you know, really silly or just, you know, sing a song together, whatever it may be. I think those few moments are, are probably what they remember most from that day. Yeah, I think you're right. So, Min, what is on the horizon for you? What do you have coming up, either professionally or personally, that you're excited about or looking forward to? I want to, my plans for this year is to throw myself into research a bit. So I have a couple of research projects coming up or that I'm working on. Um, but at the same time, I there were a couple of things that I, I turned down recently at the beginning of the year because they would have required me to come home a bit later every day. And, you know, I think those those hours between five and nine, I, I am committed to my kids and my family. And so I, I'm really, you know, I, I push myself to say no to anything that'll impede on that. Mm -hmm. And so professionally, you know, a little, little bit more research, focusing on that. Um, with the kids, now that they're at an age where we can have conversations and we can talk, I realize that they have very distinct personalities and different needs. And so this year, as we, as strange as this may sound, I am really trying to get to know my kids better. So not just as 
you know, a mother to a child, but person to person, try to listen to them a bit more and just try to get to know them a bit. I'm learning that as they go to school, they have personalities in school that, that, you know, at home may not come out or vice versa. And so this year, I, I just really want to spend it to, to get to know them better. So, you, you know, learn what kind of people they are. That's very cool. I like that. Uh, this has been so great. It's It's been fun getting to know you a little bit. Is there uh, any place where if if a listener wants to maybe learn more about what you're doing or ask you a question or, or something like that. Uh, is there any way that folks can connect with you online? Are you on social media, anything like that? I use Instagram. Okay. And I have my Facebook Okay, and, and my email. Okay. Maybe you could send me what those are and I can put links in the show notes for people. Sure. Okay. Sure. That would be great. All right. Um, I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Do you have, before we go, any last words for the listener who might be looking for a little help or encouragement in, in getting things done and, and making a life that matters? What would you say to her? I think it's to, some, to, to prioritize your needs sometimes. And I think as mothers, it's really hard to do that because we are so used to taking care of other people's needs. But I think there are moments where we just really have to listen to ourselves and prioritize what we want and what we need. And, and it's not a selfish thing. I think it makes us better mothers at the end of the day. It takes some time to get there, but I think it's something that, that you have to really consciously build in to your day. So good. So true. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is great. really enjoyed talking with Min. I am thankful to her for taking time to share her thoughts with us on how she manages her life, how she gets those things done, and for her encouraging words and great ideas for the rest of us. But what do you think? Do you have any questions about the things that Min and I talked about? Any suggestions or thoughts that were spurred by the conversation that we had? I'd love to hear from you. You can share your questions or your thoughts in the comments section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 280. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page or in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group if you're a member there. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, as always, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I always love to hear from you. Before we go, just a quick word about our sponsor, Text Expander, a tool that I have used for several years and really couldn't function without. You can unlock your productivity with Text Expander. Manage everything you type repetitively, whether it's email addresses, phone numbers, common message replies, and so much more. Text Expander works everywhere you type, like word processors, email and messaging apps, and online forms. You can customize your snippets with fill-in fields and pop-up lists, and, and it's much easier than it probably sounds to do just that. Easy to create these snippets, easy to use them everywhere you need to type. And you can check out Text Expander for Teams if you need to manage snippets for your company, organization, or club. Text Expander is available for Mac OS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. 
And right now you can visit textexpander.com slash podcast to get 20% off your first year. So check it out. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to get 20% off your first year of this amazing tool that truly I find essential to my productivity. Let me know what you think. And don't forget, if you're interested in seeing how FreshBooks can help you run your small business more effectively, visit freshbooks.com slash TPW and enter the productive woman in the how did you hear about us section to get started. And thank you so much to FreshBooks and to Text Expander for supporting the Productive Woman podcast and productive women everywhere. And that, my friends, is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with men. I hope you found something in it that's helpful or encouraging to you. I would love to hear from you, uh, on hear your thoughts about what we talked about today. And I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself. And go make your life matter. 